Welcome in to the Walk-Ons, part of the Caveman Podcast Network. Here with your hosts, Eric Comfort, C.J. Wagner, and Remington Jarrett. What is up and welcome. We have an awesome episode for you today on the Walk-Ons. We are looking at the fantasy impact of recent free agent moves. I am Eric. With me today, I have Rem and CJ. How are you gentlemen doing today? Doing well myself, man. You know, I actually to get in the caveman mindset. You know, I uh, ate a steak with my bare hands right before this. Congratulations. It Thank was you. it was rare, too. Oh, absolutely. Uncooked. Please tell me you've got a video. <laughs> oh, that would have been even better. Lead it off with something great, right? That's got YouTube written all over it. <laughs> That'll be our first uh, video ad for when we make it to the TV. <laughs> Would it be a caveman oh, like me? <laughs> oh, my stakes. <laughs> we need that man right now. Okay, so for today, with my dad joke of the day, I wanted to do a tribute to the place we can no longer visit. So I have two jokes. They are both a guy walks into a bar jokes. <laughs> Just so I can remember what it was like the days that I was allowed to walk into a bar. Yeah, so, those were the days. Those were the days everybody was healthy. Actually, let's be honest, I didn't have kids. True. My my time going to the bar has dramatically reduced with the birth of a child. Dramatically. Yeah, you got that to look forward to at some point, Remington. Eventually. 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 Okay. So for my first, a guy walks into a bar joke. A guy walks into a bar and asks for 10 shots of the establishment's finest single malt whiskey. The bartender sets him up, and the guy takes the first shot in the line and pours it out. He then does the same with the last shot in the row. The bartender asks him, why on earth did you do that? And the guy replies, well, the first shot always tastes like crap, and the last one always makes me sick. (laughs) (laughs) Was he related to Paris Hilton? (laughs) <laughs> well, we just said it was some guy, so we're going to assume so. That sounds like it just fits in with with uh, your joke from last episode. I'm keeping a theme going, okay? Leave me, okay, leave me. okay. Leave you to it. This one is completely different. Are you ready? Two dragons walk into a bar. One says to the other, "Man, it's hot in here." The other replies, "Shut your mouth, then, dude." <laughs> you are I'm, I'm very proud of you you are improving every week every week every week thank you one of these days i'm gonna end up being a stand-up comedian probably not no too one far it, one of these days people might not skip this part of the podcast <laughs> <laughs> are you saying uh, people are doing that now absolutely uh, not absolutely no. not no <laughs> never Thank you guys for your kind words, I believe. You're Isn't welcome. Kind? Absolutely. Okay. Here's your backhand. I think I have a black eye from that backhand you gave me. But It's okay. At least I took my ring off first. And at least Thank you have you. a good reason to wear those sunglasses inside. Who needs a reason to wear sunglasses inside? Is that a thing? You're not supposed to do that? That's what um, we'll say. So, CJ, are you going to take us to our next segment? We've made it through Eric's dad jokes of the day, done our tribute to the bar scene that once was here in America. Now we're on to pointless trivia. What have you got for us, CJ? Man, I hope y'all are 
fans of every sport. Because if not, you're in trouble. <laughs> okay. I think he's Most... deliberately trying to take me down. <laughs> Most of our trivia up till now has been mostly NFL and NBA centric. So this is going to cover a little bit of just about every sport. So, ready, Remington. I am absolutely fully prepared. Do we have the same overtime rules? Yeah, sudden death. All right, then I'm going first. <laughs> All right, pick a number one through ten. Number two. Number two. Ooh. What is the only team to neither host or play in the Super Bowl? Who? The only team to neither host nor play in a Super Bowl. Think of the biggest dump in the NFL. Yeah, I was going to say the Cleveland Browns. That is correct. Wow. Okay. Uh, I got the one NFL question. Yeah. (laughs) All right, Rim. Your turn. Picking number one through ten, except number two. (laughs) Except two. Let's go with four. Number I see what you did there. The four. Browns were the answer to number two. That's funny. Uh-huh. I don't know if that was said, on purpose. And, but... I, and I said, what is the biggest dump in dump. the NFL? <laughs> oh, that was unintentional, though. <laughs> Maybe it's skewing more towards your side. I don't know. All right, Rem. What country was Kyrie Irving born in? You've got multiple choice. Okay. A, England. B, the United States. C, Australia, or D, Canada? Ooh, Kyrie Irving. Um, I'm going to say A. That is incorrect. Oof. Eric, would you like Australia? to steal? That is correct. Ooh, that's my second option. Eric trying to run away with it. Trying to Eric run away with, with it. A, Eric with a three-to-one lead. Right, going no, into three picking. Three to zero. Don't, don't, I mean, everybody's just handing out. Zero, my bad. My I'm bad. With that. I'm with this that. isn't a soup kitchen. <laughs> All right, Eric. Okay, uh, let's go number 10. Number 10. Abel, you're, you'll easily get this one. Who gave Muhammad Ali his first professional loss? Uh, Joe Frazier. That is correct. Mm. Mm. Okay. Eric, with a commanding 5 0 mm. lead. Rim, you better. Mm. Uh, you better I gotta get to get to catching up. Got to step it up, man. All right. Do we have Sorry. a slot roll? Said what? Ooh, ooh. Eric, oh. pulling it out. Oh, I hear you. I hear you. So you let's have see. choices eliminated were 10, 2, and 4. Okay. Let's go with 7. Number 7. What country has played in every World Cup? Multiple choice. Spain. Portugal. Brazil or Argentina? Probably Argentina. That is incorrect. Oh my goodness. I'm going to go with Spain. That is also incorrect. The Ooh. correct answer is Brazil. Brazil. Ah, uh, lovely. You Darn, can tell we know our soccer. Fourth guess. Dang. choice. <laughs> 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 mm, I stumped both of you. Okay. All right, Eric. Take your Let's pick. Let's do number one. Number one. All right. Now, most people know that. Never mind. I can't do that. All right. Name in bowling. What is the name for four consecutive strikes? You got four a consecutive or not, oh, three consecutive. Four consecutive. A a four bagger. B a turkey. 
C, an eagle, or D, a sizzling turkey? I'm going to go with D. The sizzling turkey? That is incorrect. Remington, here's your chance. You better get this one right if you want to have I have to. So I know you said B was a turkey, C was an eagle, and what was A? A four-bagger. Four-bagger. I'm going to stick with the same mentality of turkey and go eagle. That is a golf term. Yeah, it's A. Uh, it's incorrect. It is A, the four-bagger. I, I was just thinking they'd keep it though in a four-bagger. I would not have guessed that one. Yeah, I knew a turkey was three, so I was like, okay, well, it's not a turkey. It's not an eagle because that's shooting two under par. Yeah, so I knew that one. It was A or D, and I guessed wrong. Neither one nope. of us got points on that one. Nope. Apparently, I'm just trying to just get destroyed. I'm just running <laughs> out the clock. I'm cool. <laughs> it's just like the old Four Corners Carolina offense. Just pass the ball around. Imagine there's no shot clock. I'm just, just doing your thing. around for the last five minutes of the game. So let's go number nine. Is that available? Yes, it is. All right. What is the record for the longest punt in NFL history? A, 97 yards, B, 98 yards, C, 99 yards, or D, 96 yards? D, 96 yards. That is incorrect. So what were the other three options? 97, 98, and 99. Oh, lovely. Eric went with 96. So let's say, let's just go ahead and say 98. That is correct. Yeah, full-on guess. I like it. Rim has one point. <laughs> he did not get oh, shut out in this game. And now you have eight, six, five, and three left. And it's your pick, Rim. Hmm. Let's see. Today, Junior. Jeremy asked at eight. And number eight. All right. How long... Are golfers allowed to look for their ball? A, 10 minutes, B, 5 minutes, C, 15 minutes, or D, 2 minutes? That's a good question. I would say D. That is incorrect. I'm going to go with 5 minutes. That is correct. And with that, done. Eric, there is no need for any more. (laughs) The slaughter rule has been applied. Oh, Oh. And with a seven to one victory, Eric moves to three and zero on pointless trivia. Oh man, we got to cut him out quickly. Remington, I'm stuck at home all day with a two year old. I needed a little more excitement in my life. Come on, yeah, I, I know, man. This I feels like when I'm playing pickup with a new basketball goal, I get Lincoln. Yeah, <laughs> he's like, I don't give him a slaughter rule. I'll just beat him like twenty zero. <laughs> <laughs> Imagine blocking a shot. <laughs> Like, and no. posting, posting Lincoln up, backing him down in the post. You're like, you're like, trust me, this is going to make you better. Get that yeah. shit out of here. It also helps that the goal is like three and a half feet tall. It doesn't hurt. It definitely doesn't hurt. Okay, so that was that was a good segment. I like it, CJ. Of course, I liked it. It was you. You picked the perfect questions. You should do this every single time. I think. <laughs> well, well, he's got to give you a run for his money for your money now. So, so we'll see. So, CJ. You're bringing it back next week. We went to overtime, I believe, last time. Is that correct? Right. Yep. That, and that are close, too. It was actually a close game. So this was the worst blowout since the unrecorded C.J. Remington beatdown. Oh, I know, man. There seems to be a common denominator here. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> 
So now we're going to actually jump into our fantasy impact of free agent moves. The way this is going to be organized, we're going to have just a couple of different segments. We're going to start off with our free agent fantasy risers. So these are people who have been impacted in a positive manner due to some free agent move. Somebody that will either improve from last year or at the very least their stock improved from, say, January before when the season ended or February when the season ended and where we're at today. So I'm going to go ahead and let our resident Trebek CJ start us off. Who was your first riser? Hold on just a minute. I believe there's some business we need to take care of. What's the business? <sighs> Since we're uh, talking fantasy football, we're going to have to bring in the championship belt. Eric, you want to go ahead and talk about who who holds the belt? I do no, not no, 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 talk no, about who rims, holds the belt. Rim. Since uh, you lost to said champion. Oh, yeah, I did. So, Would you, you know, like to do the introduction? Oh, well, not really, but I guess, you know, it kind of falls on me then. So, obviously, you know, being fantasy football and just sports nuts in general over here, you know, we have uh, all known each other for years upon years. And so we run a league together with some other uh, friends from high school and childhood. And uh, this guy decided he was going to take the uh, the title from me in the championship this year. Take so. it. From you, you never hey, had it. No, nah, man, it no, was always fine. Beyonce always... had it actually. She yeah. actually did. Right, but, but that means we all lost to her. So let's just keep that out there. But two out of the three years we have done this, this guy right here has had the belt. Right, and I think I've made what is it? I think I've made two out of three finals, or if I'm not mistaken. No, I think yeah. Becca made the first finals. Yeah, Becca made the first Beckham. finals. Yeah, so I was semifinals. That's it. So I think I've gone to the semifinals every year, finals one. So I, I got a good streak going there. But, you know, we'll see what happens this year, man. You know, that, that belt's right for the taking. It is. It is. It's open. But and until... We shall uh... see. Although <laughs> I do not think the audience wants to hear our 20-minute conversation about our personal fantasy football league. Congratulations. Right. CJ has won two of our three championships. And he is most obnoxiously wearing it over his shoulder right now. <laughs> Probably hasn't touched the thing in months, and they got it, got it out and polished it off. Well, I mean, when when else would I would I bring it out other than when we talk about fantasy football? Oh well, when, when I win it this year, it's going to be literally mounted like over my bed. I'm gonna literally yes, oh, a mirror Lord. and a fantasy football <laughs> belt. That's all I need. In the bed. <laughs> no, 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 no. <laughs> right, right on the ceiling, hanging down, yep. so he can look at it while he's falling asleep. And that means it'll also be forever tainted for everybody else. Oh, that's it. <laughs> <laughs> I'll be right. like, look, look, you did beat me, but do you really want this belt? Yeah, like, dude, I, I, have, <laughs> I want to know what, what the memories that this belt and I share. Forever soiled this belt. <laughs> he wore the belt. And only the belt. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> All right. What are we starting with? Risers? Yeah, we're going to start with risers. All right. My first riser today is uh, Mr. Kyler Murray, Mr. QB1. He's uh, got him a new toy to play with this season, uh, Mr. DeAndre Hopkins coming in. The reason I think that he's going to improve is the combination of how terrible he did last year in deep passes and his play outside of the pocket, both of which will be drastically improved with DeAndre Hopkins coming in. Over the uh, past two years, DeAndre Hopkins has tied for second in deep touchdown receptions, and Kyler Murray 
has ranked 23rd. So I think he's going to improve in that aspect. And then his passer rating out of the pocket and his touchdown percentage outside of the pocket is in the 20s. And DeAndre himself tied for most touchdowns when his quarterback's outside the pocket. So I think that number's going to improve dramatically. He's got DeAndre, an aging Larry Fitzgerald who can still take that jump ball, Christian Kirk and Andy Isabella, and then not to mention Kenyon Drake taking some of them uh, yards off his legs. So I think I think he's going to jump from QB 11 probably all the way up into probably around the 5 or 6 range. Yeah, and the biggest struggle that the Cardinals had and by proxy Kyler Murray had last year was they couldn't finish in the red zone. From a yardage standpoint, they were fairly productive but they would consistently drive into the red zone and either turn the ball over or kick a field goal. So who better to help you convert in the red zone in those tight windows than arguably the best receiver in the game? But I I think inarguably the most sure-handed receiver in the game. Mm -hmm. He gets those bare paws on it, but that's it. You also have Kyler Murray getting a second-year jump, too. Typically, quarterbacks improve from their first year. So when you combine that with his added weapons, I think that's probably one of my favorite risers in the research that I've done. Who was your first riser, Remington? You know, and again, just want to throw out there, you know, that I really love CJ's option as well. I'm excited to see what he can do this year, especially, you know, having that extra weapon. But uh, for me, um, as far as risers go, you know, I went with uh, Todd Gurley. You know, obviously for me, you know, we all know that he did well last season. Still, given what was going on, but compared to the Todd Gurley of old that we're all used to, he obviously did not end up having that same impact that we're all, you know, used to seeing there. So, you know, with him getting cut and then moving over to the Falcons, uh, you know, he got a one-year contract over there. And we all know that that's been a big struggle for Atlanta as well, just given the fact that, you know, you're generally a pass-heavy offense, but, you know, having a great run game is what's really going to accelerate that. And, uh, you know, when they got rid of Tevin Coleman and sent him over to San Francisco, I feel like that made a huge impact because on any, any given day between him and Freeman – that was a two-headed beast where you could kind of rely on one of them pretty much having a good day. But when they went solely relying on Freeman, then he just didn't put up the numbers that he really should have, just given everything that was going on. Uh, I know for Gurley, he's had, uh, since he came into the league, he's had 70 total touchdowns, 20 more than any other running back. And while in that same span of time, Devontae Freeman has actually only scored 41 in 61 games. Uh, so does that he's, frighten you because Devontae Freeman is not putting up the same number of s- scores and maybe not even having the same number of scoring opportunities because he's on a different offense? Is, is, um, you know, and, you know, obviously, you know, we'll touch on Freeman later as well because I have stuff with him. But for Gurley, I think there's opportunity there. I mean, you know, we saw glimpses of greatness that Tevin Coleman had with him. And I feel like when they had that two-headed beast, you know, he was – that was some of the greatest times that you've seen from Freeman. Uh, if I'm not mistaken, was it three or four seasons ago that he, you know, had the best season I think of his career so far. So, I mean, the opportunity is there, especially, you know, just given the fact that, I mean, I wouldn't call um, the Falcons offensive line great, but, you know, they have to have a good enough line to be able to protect Matty ice over there. So all in all, I mean, as long as Gurley can stay healthy, uh, you know, he's, I think he's slated to really have a good comeback season, you know, more get towards that, like closer to the top five range. I don't really see him being in the top five either way, but I could see him being more of like a seven to nine as opposed to 
I want to say he finished off at 14th last year, and that was solely because of 14 touchdowns and a just huge volume. Yeah, I, so, d- I definitely think that Gurley can make his way back into the top 10. Where do you think would you where would you guys draft him? Do you think he's a second round pick? No, 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 no. I, 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 I don't think top so. ten running back that they usually go in the second round. I mean, I'd, I'd, I'd say third round. Yeah, I'm thinking late second, early third is kind of my lean to on him. Because um, I mean, no matter what, you know, even though I do think he is a riser this year, I mean, you're you're still talking about him being like a a running back two there, no doubt. And there are better options there, but there's a lot of questions around this. You know, there really are. So I mean. Because we all know how the Falcons operate, you know, if they can if they can get something running like on that run game, like they're going to lean on that game and just hit those large those bigger passes. See, I, I tend to value receivers more in fantasy football, so for me, the running backs slip a little a little bit. Even even as a top ten running back, I still see them slipping down. Yeah, I mean, generally when you're talking receivers, I mean, you're getting you know. For your high picks there, I mean, you're getting more in that 80 to 90% return range as opposed to your running backs. It's it's somewhere in the 20 to 30, if I'm not mistaken there. So, mm-hmm. I mean, it's it, it's a, uh, it, it's a big 20 set. to 30%. Like, as far as the return value you get on where you draft them at. In what category? Are you referring to just first-round picks? Where did this stat come from? Uh, I, I read it in a specific article. That's why I'm not quoting, like, specific numbers. But yeah. I know I've seen a few, like, fantasy outputs as far as stats go that are saying you know that obviously we all know i mean receivers tend to you know return tend to a, hold. a higher a higher and like i guess return value for the investment you know yeah that's, especially that's literally especially the complete opposite of how i feel no but, no yeah. in a in a ppr league you're, you're getting a single point for a catch so exactly so when i get a pass catching running back yeah i agree i mean far more well, touches per game girl is mean, not exactly draft strategies it's, yeah, you, yeah i value running backs heavily because yeah. I think the re- replacement value, like technically, if I draft a running back in the second round, this past year it worked out because it was Dalvin Cook. But even if a receiver taken at the same spot scores more, the replacement value is much higher for a running back because there are only 30. There's, actually, there's not really even 30 starting running backs. But let's assume there are 32 starting spots at running back in the NFL. On most offenses, there are three starting receivers. So now you're talking about almost 100 people that are technically starters on their team. And again, there are probably 50 different draft strategies somebody could take. But with my mindset, I want that surefire running back to protect me. I feel like I'm going to have a better chance in round four or five to get a Cooper Cup or a a Kenny Galladay than on the flip side, round four or five. You're really throwing darts once you get past the top three rounds of running back. Again, it comes down to preference. So that's why I would disagree. I I strongly disagree with the, the statistics that you threw out. I'd like to see how they arrived at those. But for me, I if I believed in Todd Gurley, I would draft him in the second round. I think that's too high for me. So that balance means I probably will never draft Todd Gurley. It's just it's a preference. So if he's, if he's available in the seventh or eighth round, you wouldn't touch him? He won't be. That's, that's just unless he. The only way he's available that late is if he tore his ACL tomorrow, and maybe he comes back halfway through the season. So of well, course, I think. Well, I would take him fourth round on without question, without hesitation. If he's the if he's the number ten running back, according to we'll use like an ESPN type drafting strategy, 
usually a top 10 running back is drafted. The 10th running back to go off the board is, is usually drafted in the second round. And I just mm-hmm. went second round pick on him. And, and I respect that too. Cause I mean, you know, I'm not necessarily going to, if he's there and he's available and he fits my model, I'll take him at that time. But for me, you know, I I'm in the same boat as you, you know, I, I'm going to make sure I get a great receiver, but as far as being able to pick receivers up on the waiver wire and, like you said, replacement value, it's a lot harder to find those running backs. So when you do get those, like, ironclad running backs that you know you can count on, I mean, that could be the difference in a championship and not. Especially, you know, like, we, we've all had our, our instances where, you know, you know, Saquon was hurt for that little bit of time, or, you know, you have somebody like David Johnson go down for the entire season, you know, like that's a huge impact on your team. And it's, it, you, you almost never come back from that. Yeah. And I had him that year that he went down for the whole season. Yeah. And I mean, I had him last year where they decided they just weren't going to play him anymore. Yeah. 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 Well, he's, uh, he's another one we might be talking about later. So for my riser, I have Jack Doyle, tight end from the Colts. This is a pretty easy one, I'm not going to lie. <laughs> Jack Doyle, as a player, he's a, a, a big, strong, reliable tight end. He's a good route runner. He has great hands. Doesn't have explosive speed or even great leaping ability, but he just has such tremendous size. He can box out and win those 50-50 jump ball situations just based on strength alone. A Talent-wise, talent he's an average tight end. But he is going to have zero competition, not only at the tight end spot, but outside of T.Y. Hilton to compete with. He's been a borderline relevant fantasy tight end the last few couple years with Eric Ebron. Now Eric Ebron is playing somewhere else, and he upgraded a quarterback from Jacoby Brissett, which we touched on many times, to Phillip Rivers. Even if Phillip Rivers is turnover prone, he's still going to sling the ball around. So there's yards and receptions and potentially touchdowns for the taking. And the only pass-catching option on the entire roster that you would say is definitively better than him is T.Y. Hilton, who also has an injury history. So there's a conceivable scenario where Jack Doyle spends a portion of next season as the number one receiver for Phillip Rivers if T.Y. Hilton gets hurt. And even if he doesn't, he's now the number two receiver, and he is maybe in a Hunter Henry category. I don't draft tight ends very early, but I would have him and probably my top six to eight tight ends, if I if I were making compiling a list right now, as opposed to last year, I don't have exactly where he finished, but I can guarantee you it wasn't top 12, which means he wasn't a starter. Do you guys have any disagreements? No, none at all. I think uh, Doyle, if he comes back healthy from injury, then I think he's a very solid safe pick, I would yes. say. He's unspectacular, but once you get outside of the top, uh, maybe three or four tight ends, you're kind of, if you can just get consistent production that doesn't kill you every week, that's enough. Mm-hmm. And I think yeah. I think he could be a, a starting tight end on a championship roster. The way I see it, his boomer bust model is probably going to be right down the middle. He's not really going to break out too many games, and he's not really going to have too many games where he doesn't show up. It's he's very consistent when he's healthy. Yeah, because, I mean, last season, as far as, you know, average fantasy points per game, I mean, Jack Doyle had seven. Uh, He's, like, 24th on the list of tight ends. And, I mean, you know, while tight ends aren't... Go ahead, sorry. No, I was going to say, while tight ends aren't deep, you know, I mean, it really hurt him to lose Eric. I mean, to have Ebron there as well. I agree with your point on that one, Eric. So, I'm looking for a strong showing this year, man. Yeah, I think, guarantee, 
You know, you talk about ironclad, ironclad guarantee. Unless he gets hurt, Jack Doyle will be a starting tight end. Yeah, I agree. Finish in the top ten to twelve. I don't. He's not going to turn into George Kittle all of a sudden. But if you give me ten to twelve points a game at tight end, I'll take that. So CJ, who is your second riser? My second riser is Austin Eckler from the Los Angeles Chargers. This kid is, in my opinion, the closest thing to Christian McCaffrey without being Christian McCaffrey. He can pound it on the ground, and he can he can catch it out of the backfield and take take it to the house. He uh, put up 557 yards rushing last year, which is, isn't very spectacular with three touchdowns. But then you have to take into account that he had 993 yards receiving with eight touchdowns. If he can get those rushing stats up and maintain – or take a, he can manage a little bit of dip in the receiving yards, but if he gets the rushing numbers up, he'll be he's not going to be on Christian's level, but he will be very close to being the second best thing. And in a PPR league, then to me, that's probably going to put him as the number two running back and probably pretty close to the top five overall in points. Wow. So are I? Definitely agree he is a big-time riser. And actually, part of the reason we kind of talked about like running backs versus wide receivers, part of the reason I personally am a running back fan, at least early, is because of that stat you put up. So Austin Eckler, as a pass-catching receiver, or as a pass-catching running back, was able to put up starting-caliber receiver numbers, and you have Mm -hmm. the rushing addition. The thing that shocked me is, did you say he was? you, you predict him to finish number two? Number two at running back, yes, sir. Wow. That's a bold prediction right there. I think he'll be good, absolutely. And I would spend a second-round pick on Austin Eckler. I don't know that I have that kind of faith in him. And I definitely see his rushing numbers going up because Melvin Gordon's no longer in town. Phillip Rivers isn't going to be slinging the ball. They're probably going to draft a rookie quarterback, who's, and they're going to probably need to rely on the running game and dump off passes to Eckler. So – I don't see any reason why he shouldn't improve his rushing numbers and at least somewhat maintain his receiving numbers. I mean, I just think with Ankler, man, I mean, I I don't disagree with you with the idea that, you know, Rivers is going to be gone. So, you know, that's obviously going to, you know, increase his usage there. But, I mean, you know, that that team's still got a lot of weapons there in in that sense. And, I mean, he's still got Justin Jackson behind him. So, I mean, and, you know, he's there, there's been a lot of buzz about him and especially like I don't see it being the same kind of setup as what happened, you know, with the holdout this past season, you know, and him going into that full role. But, I mean, I still see him having some of his, you know, workload taken by Jackson. And I, I just I see him doing better, but I just don't see him finishing it, too, because I don't think he's got that feature role locked in. So I'm, I'm seeing more of like a, probably a high end two. Uh, you know, I mean, low in one back, you know, high in two area, you know, kind of that eight to seven finish. I think another thing to consider, I don't disagree with if at some point in the season, a rookie ends up starting, then you've got a situation similar to Kyle Allen with Carolina last year. And that mm-hmm. worked out quite well with Christian McCaffrey. Right. But their starter as of right now is Tyrod Taylor. And Tyrod Taylor historically has not thrown the ball a lot to running backs. And if you look at, in recent history, athletic mobile quarterbacks 
typically throw the ball down the field and throw less to running backs. They don't have the need for a checkdown option because they can simply tuck it and run it themselves. If you look at Patrick Mahomes, he throws the ball down the field, not a lot to his running back. Deshaun Watson does not throw the ball a lot to his running backs. Even if you look at pre-Christian McCaffrey, Cam Newton, he, he never threw the ball to his running backs. Russell Wilson does not throw the ball to his running backs a lot. When I say concern, I'm in a similar boat with Rim. I'm, I would be willing to spend a second-round pick on this guy. But I, fee, I see those things reducing his absolutely elite-tier ceiling. Now, Tyrod Taylor plays horrible, and three weeks into the season, he's replaced. Everything I just said is irrelevant. Do you I don't I'm again what are your thoughts about Tyrod Taylor as a quarterback if he's not going to throw the, the check down I pass? don't I don't see Tyrod starting the season at quarterback Who do you do you honestly see them starting a true rookie or do you see them bringing somebody else in I see them bringing somebody else in and drafting a rookie and sitting the rookie I don't think Tyrod is going to be the answer in San and well Los Angeles as the Chargers quarterback I think hey, his time as a starter, I mean, he's great when he fills in, but as a starter, he's he's kind of falls flat. Defenses tend to figure him out very easily, but his arm is unspectacular. So Maybe they bring in Cam Newton. Cam Newton got released from Carolina today. Yeah. And yeah. as of, to my knowledge, I believe he hasn't signed anywhere. He, no, he yeah. Early in his career, I mentioned him not throwing to running backs, but... With Christian McCaffrey, he definitely figured it out. When he's so that got that option, when he's McCaffrey. got the option, he dumps it off to to the running back. Now, I think the Vegas odds have Cam going mostly to Miami or Jacksonville, so we'll see how that goes. Okay. So who was your biggest riser, Rim? So my second biggest riser was going to be Brandon Cooks. Uh, he's still with the Los Angeles Rams there. There's been a lot of trade rumors about, you know, potentially the Buccaneers trying to seek him out to pair with Tom Brady as just kind of a familiarity there. Uh, that would be an insanely overloaded receiving corpse there. But after coming into the league, uh, you know, he started out in 2014, was in the draft. And then after that, you know, he posted four straight thousand yard seasons, 2015, 2016, and then uh, in 2017, when he went over the Pats, he actually ended up catching 65 passes for 1,082 yards and seven TDs. Along with that, you know, while he was doing that as well, he helped Tom Brady lead the league in passing yards. So with that being said, there, there's a lot of potential there for him to regain that capacity that he had in those four straight seasons. We're really segueing into a Todd gurley list Rams, so that has to offer other weapon possibilities, especially with two younger running backs who are still kind of competing for that starting spot or that majority timeshare there between Malcolm Brown and Daryl Henderson. So I, I just see him stepping up and being able to go back into that form fit that he was, and especially if with this scenario we can actually you know have – Jared Goff being accurate, throwing his passes like he needs to. And again, like I said, he's going to be looking for that number one option. So what, what are your guys' thoughts on this? So you think Brandon Cooks is the biggest beneficiary from the Todd Gurley release? I, I'm not saying the biggest. I, I think he has a lot of upside to this situation. But again, it's going to require him to make the most of that. Whereas, I mean, if Malcolm Brown or Daryl Henderson is able to step up and really segue to fill those shoes. I mean, 
small small shoes to fill from last season. He still did well. He was still 14th in the league as far as running backs go. But uh, again, you know, we're talking some some younger guys. We're talking about the the potential for some of them just to have a breakout year there. So the, they've they've got probably the biggest upside out of the the three of them. You know, between those two running backs there versus Brandon Cooks. But again, if there were ever an opportunity, you know, I think the the player with the most say on this is going to be Jared Goff. He's got to be able to get Brandon Cooks the ball. Brandon Cooks has shown that with different quarterbacks, he can make the plays. He played with Breeze and Brady. So he's had 4,000-yard rece- uh, receiving years in his career with other quarterbacks. So I think Jared Goff has to take that next step in his career and go from game manager to playmaker. Because right now, to me, he's sitting in the Andy Dalton range. Wow. That's a decent comparison. I, he had Obviously, he had a peak that was higher than Andy Dalton ever reached. But last year was unimpressive. I don't necessarily believe wholeheartedly in Brandon Cooks. I don't have an issue with him either. I think... You're going to kind of roll the dice with those three receivers, that trio of receivers in L.A., and one of them is absolutely capable of having a Cooper Cup season. So actually two years ago, I believe it was Robert Woods. Last Mm -hmm. year it was Cooper Cup. This year, could it be Cooks? Absolutely. Could it be Cup again? Absolutely. Could Robert Woods reestablish himself? It's a possibility. Agreed. So for Uh, that reason, I won't say that I am a – believer in cooks nor am i a hater i just see him as a somewhat risky proposition where you could spend a fourth round pick on a guy that is a flex play or you could spend a fourth round pick on a guy that finishes as a number one receiver much like cup did last year and woods did the year before that exactly i would really really love to see the jets make a trade for cooks and pair him with crowder and if Darnold will throw into him, I, I think we're talking about a revitalization on a revitalization on a career. Um, for real, it, it's just that would be the best case scenario, in my opinion. But there's there, there's a lot of potential out there right now, and I mean, crazier trades have already happened. That's yeah, for sure. I think he would be so as a deep threat. Robbie Anderson had a somewhat productive productive season last year. All Brandon Cooks is is a much more complete and ta- more talented version of Robbie Anderson. Exactly. I think you could take the deep threats and the deep targets that Robbie Anderson got. If you add into the fact that Brandon Cooks is an infinitely better route runner, he's better after the catch. He is a complete receiver who has the speed to be called a deep threat, but he can perform in all areas of the field. I think that would be a good pickup. I think it would actually help his value in addition to helping Sam Darnold's and maybe even Le'Veon Bell because it opens up their offense a little bit. So for my final riser, I have Josh Allen. This one is fairly simple. The Bills traded for Stephon uh, Stephon Diggs. Stephon Diggs is a Pro Bowl caliber talent. When you add that to an already established receiving core of John Brown and Cole Beasley, you've got the deep threat. You've got the star talent. You've got the underneath slot receiver. Plus Devin Singletary, who will now be going into his second year, is a good pass-catching option. He is a top 10 receiving core in the NFL. He was already a borderline starting quarterback last year in his second season. As he enters his third season, let's assume he progresses. He still maintains his athleticism, but now he has bigger weapons. I think you can get Josh Josh Allen is probably going to be viewed as he was last year as a borderline starter. And you can get him 
late in drafts, but he has almost peak Cam Newton potential because that's really the cl- closest comp. He's a slightly less athletic Cam Newton. And I think he can put up close to the same numbers that Cam Newton did in his MVP season, which, if I'm not wrong, that was a number one fantasy season. So that's it's, it's, it's really it's about a ceiling. I don't love Josh Allen as a quarterback. I don't think he is. He's inaccurate. He's got some fundamental issues. But he's got the arm to throw it deep to John Brown. As long as he can get it to his weapons and space, they can make him look good. Do you have agreements, disagreements? Well, I definitely agree on Josh Allen. I think he's, every year he's improved, and even his footwork, his mechanics, he's got a cannon, and he's got the wheels. Yeah, The Cam Newton comparison spot on. I think he's a lot faster than Cam was. Cam was more of a power runner, and Josh is, he'll outrun everybody. But the weapons he's got, I mean, I don't think Buffalo's seen that since Jim Kelly played there. Yeah, and I, I'm not sold on it to be honest with you. Uh, just out of the fact that with with Diggs, he does have the potential to do extremely well on any part of the field, just because we we know he's a top tier talent. There's no doubt about that. Uh, if I I want to guess, I think I've had him. Pretty sure I've had him two of the past three seasons. You know, just as an option. Obviously, I think it was two seasons ago, if I'm not mistaken, where Adam Thielen had you know a, a huge breakout season. He destroyed it and obviously took that number one role from him. And then as Thielen has struggled with injuries and things like that, you know, allowed Stefan Diggs to really be able to come back into the fold. But Diggs still didn't perform like we expect uh, uh, that that type of that skilled of a receiver to be able to actually perform too. So along with that and him being mainly a, a deep pass threat, obviously, like I said, we know he can handle any part of the field. He's great when he actually catches the ball. But Josh Allen is one of the worst in the league. Uh, I think he's 24th out of 28 of quarterbacks who've thrown at least 150 passes for his actual like deep completion percentage. And we're talking uh, balls that are going more than 20 yards downfield. So he's not an elite level downfield passer. I do think he has the potential to do so because uh, I, I really see that Cam Newton you know, comparison there being a really spot on on setup there because we've we've seen what happened with Cam, you know, really, really great start. And then, you know, as it came down to him not really being able to rely as much on his physicality because people started getting used to it and planning for it. Then we saw him having to develop in a different style quarterback. And that's when accuracy really became an issue. Yeah. And no doubt accuracy is, is a problem. But he's young. He's I don't know his exact age, but he's in his third year. He'll be going into his third year typical quarterbacks that's when they make the biggest leap it's called the third year leap for a reason and i think you i think you were rim i think you were a little wrong on stefan diggs too uh he's improved every year no he has been and, in I, the league. and i'm not saying that he's he's bad by any means and i know he's he's constantly getting better and i i have not seen the ceiling i expect from him to be honest with you like when he first came out i was expecting insanely great things and he's done really well but I just don't think he's lived up personally for me to the potential that I saw in him and obviously you know I'm not an NFS scout I'm not a professional in that sense but from what I expected from him I just haven't seen that and I mean if anybody's going to give them the opportunity or Josh Allen the opportunity to create an elite level offense here I I think Diggs is is in a handful of options there that you'd want to have so he he offers that potential and I don't think the problem here is with Diggs I think the problem here is with Allen yeah, I, I think it. Go ahead. I think Allen will be able to take uh, more advantage of Diggs's uh, skill set than Kirk Cousins did in Minnesota. 
I, I think Josh that. Allen, Josh Allen will be miles better than Kirk Cousins will be. I mean, there's no doubt he'll get the ball there, but whether or not it's actually going to be in the right spot is the question. Well, if you watched a lot of Diggs' deep catches last year, the vast majority of them, he was wide open. Mm-hmm. Yes, you still you still have to complete the pass, so it's not that Kirk Cousins threw an inaccurate ball. But he had several, several touchdowns where there was nobody within 10, 15, 20 yards of him. And Josh Allen can at least hit that pass. Yeah. Heck, Tim Tebow could hit that pass. Well, okay, let's not go too far. Yeah, I was going to say. Andy Dalton could hit that pass. (laughs) Better, better. Okay, so now we're going to move on to our biggest fallers as a result of these recent free agent moves. We're going to do one apiece. And CJ, would you like to go ahead and start us off? Man, I think the biggest faller uh, would be Deshaun Watson. He was a second-ranked quarterback last year, and he lost his number one target. Um, even last year with a top 10 receiver in DeAndre Hopkins, he threw, he had seven games where he threw one touchdown or none. That's a large majority of the season where he's underperforming. And then when he was targeting DeAndre Hopkins, his touchdown to interception ratio was 3.57. To his other receivers, it was 2.09. So... That's a huge drop-off to the other receivers that are left on the roster. And unless uh, this this upcoming NFL draft is heavy on receivers, so I'm sure they will target someone. But as a rookie, I don't think there's anybody on the roster currently that can match that production that Hopkins can bring. So I think he's going to have a major drop-off. The only thing I would ask... Now, from uh, I see there's kind of a similar mindset where how Kyle, Kyler Murray was a riser because of Hopkins and all, everything he brought to the table and the issues he can fix. And now Deshaun Watson is a faller because of all of these new issues that are arising. He doesn't have his fixer. Right. But is Watson good enough to cover up those holes? The elite quarterbacks, when they're in their prime, are capable of losing a high-end receiver and still being an elite fantasy quarterback because they're good enough to overcome that. Peyton Manning and Tom Brady have had great seasons where they were throwing to names that you may have never heard of. Drew Brees as, as well. Is Deshaun Watson on that level? Not not saying he's Manning and, and Brady, I was about but to say, are you, is he are good you enough trying... to overcome the loss of a weapon? Marginally. I don't think he's going to be able to come anywhere close to it. I think he will be able to quarterback a winning football team, but they're going to have to rely heavily on their run game from now on until they develop a num- another true number one receiver. Um, I mean, you've got Will Fuller, if he can stay healthy, he's got the potential to do it. You've got Cootie or Cody. I think it's that can Kiki Cutie. Yeah. Cutie. He can probably step in and develop into that true number one receiver, but I think it's honestly going to have to come through the draft. Okay, That's fair enough. Now for you, Remington, who is your biggest follower as a result of free agency? So for me, the biggest follower that I'm looking at right now is kind of leading back into that discussion where we had earlier about the whole Josh Allen thing. You know, I know you thought he was going to be a large riser for you for the same reason 
having Stefan Diggs there. For me, on the other side, I'm thinking that the result is going to end up being that Diggs ends up being a large faller this year because of the same deal, Josh Allen. And I know I made my point earlier about the downfill passes. Uh, He's averaging 32.1% on downfill passes of 20 yards or more. And then if you take that beyond and go to that 30-yard length you know, or further, it actually drops down to an 8.8%. He's literally 3 of 34 on those completions. So I think for that reason, Diggs has all the talent in the world, but being a wide receiver, it's not like you're just handing the ball as, as in a running, running back position where you can actually kind of make it for yourself if you're great. But this is the situation where previously last season – John Brown, obviously we all know he was their number one receiver. He was handling like 20%, 26% of the target share there. Within that, with that much of a workload, he didn't even finish in the top 20. You know, in all fairness, he did sit out week 17. But Diggs has never seen that kind of workload. So we're talking about a, a huge potential here for him to possibly blow up and do even better than he used to uh, these past few seasons. Obviously, in my opinion, I just don't think Allen is going to be able to execute and get him to where he needs to be. So uh, Josh Allen attempted 20 more passes than Kirk Cousins last season, completed 36 fewer and threw for 514 less yards and six fewer touchdowns. With all that being said, I don't see this being an issue with Diggs. I see this being an issue with who's actually feeding him the ball. So uh, that, that's my thought processes. Where you guys stand on that? So where do you want to? Where would you draft Diggs? I I probably draft Diggs as a high end two, possibly as high end number two receiver. So yeah, maybe what the fourth round? Uh, I, I'm thinking maybe I'd be third? surprised if he's still there. If he's there in the fourth round, I would scoop him. If I'm late third round, I, depending on who else I'm rocking, I, I probably end up pulling him just for the sheer potential that he could blow up because you could be getting a potential number one possibly top five receiver depending on what progress Josh Allen makes in the third or fourth round. So if he's there, I'm taking him. But also like I, I'm just not sold on that idea. Yeah. I might even be lower on him. I wouldn't take him in the third. I would have trouble Four doing or it. Five, it depends on who's depends available. On, yeah, it depends on who else is available. I guess I like him a little bit more than both of you. I'd probably take him in the late second round. Wow. So you, he's not a follower for you at all. No, no, not at all. I think he's going to a more stable offense. Um, they had a little bit of a rocky times in, in Minnesota. Uh, I think he wore out his welcome a little bit. He turned into more of a diva, and I think the chemistry with him and Cousins kind of took a hit. So I think if he can develop a better relationship in Buffalo, I think he'll he'll maintain his uh his thousand yard receiving i think i think he'll take a step forward but i mean you're talking about a low volume offense who is run first so but, do we but still look i don't think they go out and pay him if if they plan on running the ball as much as they have in the past i think they're going to feed him the ball a little bit well and I, I i agree more with remington than i do with you cj but one point kind of against what you said rem yes it is a run first offense but what were the Vikings last year? No, and you're right. And Calvin I, mean, I thought Cook about it. Was finishes what the number two fantasy running back? Yeah, and, and I thought about that as soon as I said it. But you're also talking about a, a team where 
Kirk Cousins is solid. Yeah, he's yeah. better than Josh Allen, at least as of last year. Exactly. As a thrower, maybe not as a fantasy player, but as a thrower of the football. I'll agree that, with that. And exactly. So, I mean, when you have that setup where you're handoff to Dalvin Cook and then you have Thielen and Diggs on either side of the ball to hit, you know, in that option, it, there, there are it's a three-headed beast that you're trying to cover. So I, I see the openings being there a lot more, whereas you'll be able to really focus in on digs on the bills. Like you'll, you'll be able to put your, your best cornerback on them and make sure that he's covered, which is not an easy task to do, but then with operating as, Hey, digs is the number one option. You're, you're trying to require Josh Allen to then have an efficient arm, which again is, is the biggest question on him. I think depending on the matchups, uh, I mean, John Brown and Cole Beasley can take a lot of the load off of, Diggs having to battle with the number one corner every week. And you have, and what's the impact of having another deep threat? So with Minnesota, it was Diggs who was the deep threat on that offense. mm -hmm. And by the way, shame on you, Remington, for not including Kyle Rudolph. It's a four-headed monster. Yeah, and I I see that. And I I don't disagree there. (laughs) I I, I I know. He is a barely playable tight end. But will he be used differently now that he is not the only deep threat it's John Brown who is the field stretcher. Will he be used a little more in the Adam Thielen role where he still goes deep, but he also can work as a possession receiver? And based on the accuracy issues that you were talking about, Rim, and the Cam Newton comparisons, he could thrive as a short to intermediate route receiver who has the field stretch for him by John Brown as opposed to him having to play that role. Go ahead. I think I think his route running is, is perfect for the Buffalo offense because when the play breaks down and Josh Allen has to break out of the pocket, I think Diggs is probably going to be the only receiver on that offense that is going to consistently be able to break free and create enough space to take those dump off passes. When the play breaks down, Josh is trying to look for somewhere to get, get rid of the ball. Yeah. Well, I I think I could see Cole Beasley finding a way to work open, but Cole Beasley is definitely, he is, I don't know the the specifics off the top of my head, but I imagine he was at or near the bottom of the league as far as yards per target. Yeah, yeah. So he can he can get open underneath, but he almost never runs a route that sends him more than ten yards down the field. No, that's but just not a we, game. We saw how when the play broke down in Minnesota in the playoffs, Diggs was able to to get open, catch the ball, bounce off a tackle, and take it to the house for the win. So, uh. I think I think Diggs is a special player, in my opinion. And uh, and I'm I'm with you on that one. I I'm high on Diggs, low on Allen is kind of more the reason why I have him in my faller. I can okay. I can understand that. So now on to my faller. I cheated. I didn't just take one person. I took the entire Denver Broncos backfield. Three, you know what do they? I th- they say what two's a party, three's a crowd. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. <laughs> That's not just with relationships and roommates and living situations. That's also with NFL backfields. <laughs> you can survive and you can have two. An offense can support two relevant fantasy running backs. Easily. Easily. The number of offenses that can support three. Actually, there's there, right now, There's honestly, there's nobody. You could say maybe the 49ers, but usually that third back, there's always somebody hurt. Mm-hmm. So they were playing a game with a duo running back system even if they had three talented running backs. Yes, they signed Melvin Gordon. 
two years, eighteen mil or sixteen million dollars. The 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 individual player that affects the most is Royce Freeman. Royce Freeman was the two down back. He was drafted in the third round two years ago and was expected to be their bell cow. It just so happened that an undrafted rookie by the name of Philip Lindsay of the in the same draft class took his job. Royce Freeman is an effective running back. If somehow they traded him into a situation where he got consistent touches, I think he's a viable option. But you're not going to give him carries on the goal line over Melvin Gordon. He's not going to catch passes out of the backfield over both Melvin Gordon and Philip Lindsay. And he's not your big play threat. That's Philip Lindsay. So I think he's irrelevant. I think if I had him on a dynasty league, I would drop him and I'd never think about him again unless he got traded. I think the person, and then a second, you'd have to go with Philip Lindsay. Lindsay will not be irrelevant. I think he is a viable flex option. But for the last couple of years, he's been a number two running back. He's not somebody that I want to start in all circumstances. If they're in a game where they're going to get blown out and I know they're not going to be running the ball, I don't want to play Philip Lindsay. It's not, he'll always be the change of the change of pace speed back. But Melvin Gordon brings pass catching to the table in addition to being a power goal line back. So Lindsay is not only not not going to get carries on the first and second down. He's not going to get carries on the goal line. He's going to lose pass catching targets to Melvin Gordon. For a guy that prior to this move, I would have drafted in the third round. Now I'm not touching him until the middle of the draft. And with Melvin Gordon, he's going to be a goal back. He'll be relevant. He'll be a flex option. He'll get touchdowns. He'll catch some passes. But neither one is going to get enough touches to be a consistent every single game starter. Do you guys disagree? I, I Somewhat. I I think you're putting too much weight on the three running back system. Um, I don't think Freeman is going to be on the team when the season starts. So I think it's kind of irrelevant. So I think, I think with Lindsay and, and Gordon, I think they can thrive with the two running back uh, system. Fantasy wise might take a hit, but I think Freeman's a non-factor in, in this discussion. Okay. And another thing to consider um, and I, I think I agree. I think Freeman, you're talking about four or five carries a game. Freeman is only relevant in that he is going to steal a small number of carries from the other two if he's still on the roster. Mm-hmm. But sure, let me look at it from this way. Let's assume Freeman is not on the roster. Philip Lindsay, I still believe, will be worse because one, he's got Drew Locke at quarterback, and two, Melvin Gordon will steal some pa- some passes from him. Melvin Gordon is going to be much more of a passing threat than Royce Freeman, so he's going to eat some of those touches. Will he be relevant? Yes. On the flip side, Melvin Gordon, he's going to be in a split backfield. It might be very similar to how it was with Austin Eckler at the end of the season, but instead of playing for the Chargers and having Phillip Rivers at quarterback, he has Drew Locke. So that offense, I I just cannot imagine that offense being anything better than below average. Even if the running game really takes off and they establish themselves as a run first team, their their defense is not that good. They have a couple of playmakers, but they have massive holes. Their quarterback play, best case scenario, is average. Most likely it's going to be the worst quarterback play in the league. Weapons, they have a couple of decent young weapons, but they definitely don't have a bona fide star. And they definitely don't have a second receiver outside of Sutton. So I just don't see that offense creating as many opportunities for Melvin Gordon as the Chargers offense did. And I agree, man. 
Go ahead. Because, um, no, I mean, I was just going to say, man, I'm, I'm in full agreement with you there, man, especially just like looking at Gordon's career, uh, really four or five NFL seasons straight, he was averaging less than four yards per carry. His, his value's always been in the touchdowns, and that, like you said, has been from the fact of that being created by that Chargers high-flying offense there. So, you know, with the Chargers moving over to a slower pace, less potent offense, who just doesn't really have that defensive backup, as you're saying. I mean, 17 touches per game he turned into, you know, RB14 last year. Uh, 27 touches split between Freeman and Lindsey this past year as well. So I think Lindsey was getting about 17 per game, which is basically what Gordon was getting. I, there, there is potential there, but really when it comes down to it, I don't see them turning into anything, just like you said, because there, there's no backup for them, and you can't just carry the team by yourself. So I, I agree with you, and I, I also agree with CJ that I don't really think Freeman's probably in that conversation because I am anticipate him being gone and it being Gordon and Lindsey rolling with it. So obviously Gordon's going to get the majority share. They're going to bring Lindsey in as that kind of mix it up back. And and I, I just don't see them going anywhere with it, man. I, I just don't. I don't see Gordon having the volume he needs to be able to convert for them. Even if he has the same amount of touches as last year, he's not. it's not going to be – the value of said touches is going to be lower. Exactly. It's not going to be mm-hmm. those spots to put him in a scoring possibility. Yeah. All right. So in the end, we, we did kind of agree. And I, I think on the field, yes, it's nice to have depth at running back in the real NFL. But in fantasy, we don't want that. We don't care who exactly. wins the game. We don't care what's best for the team. We care what's best for our team. Yep. So that's going to do it for us on today's episode. I hope you enjoyed. Just a little fantasy football nugget to hold you over till the real season begins. Please remember to rate and review us. Give us five stars. Any comments that you leave, we will read on air. And until next time, this is Eric. CJ. In Remington. With your Walk Ons podcast. Peace. Peace.